listening to Glad Tidings. Today, we have Pastor Roger T. bringing the word. We hope you are encouraged by this message. What a beautiful time of worship, amen. It's so wonderful when the believers of, of Christ can gather together, celebrate Jesus, lift our eyes to the one who is the reason we're here today. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, amen. And the passage that we just read, what was happening here? It is an exciting point of church history. It is the birth of the early church. And this was the day of Pentecost. And uh, what happened was there were 120 believers in the upper room in a prayer meeting. And as they were praying, the power of God fell upon them. And they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They began to have tongues like fire upon them. They began speaking in new tongues, began to speak in foreign languages. And then the crowds began to gather with all the noise, all the commotion, asking, what is happening here? Why are they praising God in all these languages that we know, but they don't know? And then people start mocking these believers and saying, maybe they're drunk, maybe they're crazy, maybe they're too filled with wine early in the morning. And in this setting, Peter stands up, and he begins preaching to this crowd. Peter, this man who was, had, had uh, you know, denied Jesus three times, who had so many failures, who had been impetuous and impatient and made so many mistakes, he stands up with authority and anointing and power and boldness through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he begins to preach, oh, with that anointing. And that day, how many people will say 3,000 were saved? Where there were 120, now there are 3,120. And there lies the birth of the new church, where this new group of believers, this born-again community began to live out their new lives in Jesus, where they were once spiritually dead and separate from God. They are now spiritually alive and free because of their faith in Jesus and what He did on the cross. Amen? And so this was the beginning of the church, and this community came alive. I'm going to tell you a short story to start off here. Just a couple of weeks ago, I went for a health checkup, and I went for a blood test. A few days later, the admin person called me up, and he said, uh, Roger, you got to come back in right away, and you got to take a new test. And I asked, what's wrong? I was quite worried. He said, your potassium readings are so high, and that's uh, quite risky. I think we need to verify these results. And so naturally, I was really worried. I said, okay, I'll come in tomorrow morning, first thing. And I put down the phone, and the first thing I do, I don't know if it's the, the right idea, is I went to Google. How many of you know that Google is not the best doctor out there? Every time you got some ache or some pain, and then you look it up, you're like, what? What is happening here? And so I start reading these words, heart attack, heart failure, kidney disease, renal failure that you can't process the, the potassium. I'm like, oh God, what is going on? Am I going to survive this season when I read through Google? Mr. Google, Dr. Google is not a good doctor, okay? And so I went in for the test straight away, and then this lab takes one week to get back to me in my worry and my uncertainty. And so you can imagine the conversations I had with my wife that week. You know, we were a little bit morbid. And so I was like, so what are you going to do if I just collapse right in front of you? And she looked a bit panicky and she's like, well, I think I would check for signs of life. How, how would I do this? And so she says, first I would slap you. 
So she holds, and she starts acting it out. And she goes, psh, psh, psh. And I'm like, Sarah, why are you slapping me three times? And why are you hitting so hard? You know, I don't know if anything's going on. She said, no, I need to check that you're conscious. So the second thing, I need to check your breath. I said, make sure you wash your fingers before you come and check my breath. What if you're eating durian before? And she said, then it's good. The stronger the smell, the more you'll come conscious, right? And then she said, I'll check your pulse. And then, you know, if you had fallen and hit your head, then you can also check your pupil reflex. You know, that's why doctors in the movies, they open their eyes and shine a torch inside to see the, the reflex of the pupils. You know, and so she went through all these signs of life. And she said, then I would call the ambulance, right? And so this was the week that we had, praise the Lord. And to cut a long story short, I went for the, uh, the retest, the results came back, and it was a lab error. Praise God, yay! <laughs> oh my goodness. And they didn't even tell me that this could happen. I mean, apparently when I talked to my, my siblings who are doctors, they said they should have just told you that there's a chance that the blood sample can hemolyze. It's been left too long before it went to the lab, and you get these inaccurate results. And so that had what, been what happened. So the good news is that I'll probably get through today's sermon all the way from start to end, praise God, and I'll be able to deliver God's message to you, you know. And I was preparing this message today, and it's um, based on, I felt God leading me to talk about the community of faith, our fellowship together, our body of Christ that we are found in. And um, just like I was concerned about my signs of life, I felt God just asking this question, what are the signs of life of the body of Christ? What are the indications that we're alive, that we're found in this, uh, you know, living community of faith? And so, uh, that's where the title of this sermon came from. And he led me to this passage and dropped three words into my spirit, into my heart. And I asked God, God, this is so simple. Are you sure I'm supposed to share this today? And I just felt a confirmation when I prayed that God wants us to get back to the basics of Christ-centered community of understanding what it is to walk in it, to participate in it, and to help build it in this church, especially in this season. As we're coming back in from the pandemic, we need to build Christian community the way that God had established it in the early church. Amen? Amen. And so, you can see in verse 44 of what we read, it said, uh, the believers were um, together and had everything in common, Right? And if you read this in a different translation, it says this, uh, those who were there, uh, now having believed, were together and had everything in common. That means the instant they believe, there is a supernatural move, a supernatural shift where they're found in this family of God. All it took was their faith in Jesus. Once they put their sincere faith in Jesus, they were found in this body of Christ, this mysterious mystery of the body of Christ. We are part of this family right then and then. Amen? And so, the important thing that I, I found out as I studied these words, that they were together, is that the word were, can we just say in Greek, it's eisan. Can everyone say eisan? The word were, how it's used in the New Testament is interesting. It's not used to describe an action or something we do or a behavior that we carry out. It's used to describe identity and a state of being. You know, and so you would use it in sentences such as, they were fishermen, they were men, they were as sheep. This is where you find it in the New Testament. And this is very profound. 
Because this means that our coming together as a family of God is not just something that we do, it is who we are. It is our identity. That means that we cannot exist separately from the body of Christ. We cannot choose to walk this journey of faith alone. We need to be found in Christ-centered community, journeying with each other, supporting each other, spurring each other to love and good works. Amen? And so that is such an important part of our identity. And you will find that if you look in the Bible, the community and the communal faith is so much more emphasized than our individual faith. This is an important thing to take note of. Even though our personal relationship with God is important, let's not diminish it. We need to have our personal faith, our personal relationship in God, you know, and not a secondhand faith. But in the Bible, it describes communal faith so much more than individual faith. We're not just to stop at our individuality. How does this faith work for me? What are my favorite songs? What are my favorite time slots for Sunday morning uh, service? We're not just supposed to stop there. We're, gonna, we're supposed to ask ourselves, how does God want me to live out my new life found in Jesus among my brothers and sisters in fellowship? Amen? And so... Um, the reason for this is you can see it in the Bible where, um, look at how Jesus teaches us how to pray. Does He say, my Father who art in heaven? He says, to pray like this, our Father, right? And how does Paul address uh, uh, the, the Lord? You find that he uses the word my Lord once. Guess how many times he uses the word our Lord? Fifty-three times. Can you see the difference? And Emmanuel, okay, just now our brother Emmanuel led worship, but the word Emmanuel, what does it mean? Does it mean God with me? No, it's God with us. Amen. And even the whole Old Testament, you see that it's not written to any particular individuals at all. It's written to Israel, God's chosen people. It's God's message for His chosen people. And so our communal faith is so important. Our faith journey is not full and complete unless it is lived out in the community that God has given to us. This means that we cannot say that we're living the full new life that God has for us, that God intends for us, unless we're deeply found and rooted in Christian community. Our personal faith journeys have to be so interwoven with the fabric of Christ-centered relationships and community, and that's how we experience the full life of God. That's how we experience the new life of God. It doesn't exist separately. And so that is my emphasis today, that it would encourage you not to, you know, uh, treat faith as just a small part of your life, not to just treat your Christian community as just a small part of your life, but that you will truly come together as one body, as, as a part of a body where every individual part cannot survive without being attached to this body. Our very identity and core is found in it. Amen. And so like how, how our physical bodies has, has certain rhythms and indicators to it, right? If let's say we talk about my heart rate, if I'm lying down, if I'm sitting up, if I'm walking around, or if I'm jogging and exercising, my heart beats at a different pace that is healthy depending on what I'm doing, right? And it also has to beat at a consistent rhythm. It can't be like boop, 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 boop. Even though I know for some of the guys, when you look at the girl you like, that's how your heart seems to beat. 
But if my heart beat like that, it would be hard arrhythmia. It would be dangerous, a condition that is not healthy, right? And so just like how our physical bodies have rhythms to it, our gathering as a fellowship of believers also has a rhythm to it. The way our heart beats as a community of faith has a certain rhythm to it. And so today I'm just going to go through three rhythms that are found in Christ-centered community. Amen? The first rhythm I want to talk about is this. It is consistency. Everyone say consistency. If you're online, type consistency. You can see that in Acts chapter 2, the believers are found together all the time. You know, sometimes when you read it, you're like, how do they not get sick of each other? You know, sometimes I need a break from my children. Sometimes I need a break from my wife. But these people are together every day. They're found in the temple courts every day together. They're found in each other's homes every day. They're worshiping God together. They're learning about God together. They are devoted to God, devoted to fellowship together. And they didn't seem bothered by being, spending so much time with each other. They didn't seem bothered that they spent, you know, a few times a week or every day in each other's presence. Isn't that amazing? These are people that come from completely different backgrounds, you know, starting this early church, and they're found in each other's homes. That's incredible, you know. And so, we might find it hard to envision that kind of community today. How many of you can say, I am part of this type of community? Give me a wave, anybody? All right, there's quite a few, yeah. Good. You know, because it's important. But this kind of community seemed that they couldn't get enough of each other. They were caring for each other, praying for each other. There were authentic relationships, and most importantly, they were bonded by their faith in Christ Jesus. It was part of their new identity in Christ, you know? And I think sometimes for us, it's even difficult to imagine meeting very regularly. Because the world today, the culture today is so filled with busyness and so many uh, overwhelming commitments, right? How many of you live busy lives today? Yeah? Everyone feels so busy nowadays. And because of we're so busy, what happens is the world tries to convince us to live in a modular way. What do I mean by that? It means that, okay, we have a, a very limited time every day, and so we fit in modules of our life wherever it fits best whatever we have time for, whatever we enjoy doing, whatever, whoever we spend, like to spend time doing. And then it's a bit like a Spotify playlist, right? If you have a 45-minute journey from home to the office, how do you build that playlist? You want to put your favorite songs on it? You want to put your favorite genres on it? You want to put podcasts on it that you feel that you'll benefit from? And so you curate that playlist, okay? And you make sure that you maximize that time. And this has some truth in it. We do have limited time, and we do need to be effective in the time that God has given us. But the problem is when we apply a consumeristic and modular way of thinking to our faith. Our faith is not meant to be put into modules. God is not meant to be boxed into compartments and say, okay, God, I have a bit of time for you here. I've got a bit of time for you here. I've got a bit of time for your community here. God is meant to be at the center of everything we do. God is life. He's not part of life. And we're not meant to separate the secular from the sacred. We can live out our faith wherever we're found, whether we're in the office, whether we're in our homes, in every gathering, in every, uh, uh, you know, meet up with friends. We can bring God into it because that's who we are. Amen? And so we need to recognize that 
Maybe Christian community is not just a module that God wants to slot in, but it may be the foundational framework by which He wants us to experience our new life through. We are supposed to experience this new life, being a new creation in God upon believing through the community of faith. It cannot stand separate. And this Glad Tidings family has been so important to my faith journey, so important because I grew up, my childhood was overseas. I was in Hong Kong, I was in Indonesia. I was moving around to different countries, different homes, different schools, more times than I could remember. And so I didn't even have a sense of what community meant. Every year, uh, whichever friends I made, I would be moving on to a new place. And so all my friendships, all my relationships were, were so temporary. And so I didn't understand what it meant to journey with community. And then I came back to Malaysia, and there was a Hong Kong friend who, who uh, gave me a contact of someone in Glad Tidings, you know, and the parents were in the first service. His name is Yat Hua. We called him Flower, <laughs> okay? And he was a really good friend. He brought me to church. He brought me to cell group, now called Connect Groups, right? And in that, that small group, that small circle, you know, I grew so close to that group, and I found a place of belonging and acceptance for this um, you know, uh, for this skinny, weird, awkward kid with a foreign accent, you know, this was a place that, that, that I could belong to and accepted me. And I'm still awkward and weird, but I'm not so skinny anymore, fortunately. We hope that you are enjoying the message so far. If you would like to know more about our church and get connected, head to our website at gladtidings.my. Thank you for listening. Let's get back to the Word. You know, and so it was just such an important space. We would be found together, eating meals together, praying for each other, encouraging each other. Whenever I was going through a really hard time, I remember my best friend who I met in that cell and is still my best friend today. He would come by at midnight in his kanchil uh, with a couple of cell friends, and he would be like, come, let's go to Gunting. I know that you're going through a hard time. And before you jump to conclusions of what we did there, all we did was we would sit outside Coffee Bean in the outdoor area, right? Drinking ice-blended coffee, freezing our butts off, and, um, but encouraging each other's hearts and spirits. Those times were so important to me. We celebrated life together. You know, we would go for each other's weddings outstation as a cell. It was just so fun to celebrate together. And I remember this was a very distinct memory. Uh, when a couple in our cell had the first baby of our cell. Oh, so exciting. We were all in the waiting room, and his family, their family members were all there looking at us so weirdly because they were just quietly sitting there, but we were, we, we were hopping around, you know, waiting for the husband to come out. And then when he came out, he said, yes, the uh, birth of my uh, healthy son, he, he just announced it. We were holding each other, and we were celebrating and dancing and crying and laughing. And, that's, and we felt it like it was the birth of our own child. It was amazing. Every celebration was done together in the fellowship of believers. And, and, and for this church, I'm really encouraged because every time I go to a wake service or funeral, I see cell members there. And they're supporting each other through critical times of grief, being with each other, in such an important time of grieving. Have any of you experienced that before when your cell members came? Let me tell you, when I look at their faces, I see they're tired. I see that they're busy. 
I see that they're not coming because of conveniences. They're coming because they know that they are part of the body of Christ and they need to show up to support one another. No matter how busy they are, no matter whether they like your personality or not, no matter whether they are tired or not, they are found there and I see it. And they're there just arms around, praying along, supporting along. We journey with each other in joy and we journey with each other in grief. Amen? And this is a community that we need to be part of. Even for me, all my significant life events, I met my wife in cell group under Elaine Tan. You know, she was my cell leader. I proposed to her at a cell holiday in Sabah, right? We were married by our cell leader, who at the time was Pastor Karen. And every significant life event, every important life event, we were constantly found in each other's lives. And it was critical to my faith journey. I'm a product of my community. The fact that I'm standing here as a pastor preaching today is because of the community of faith that God provided for me and placed me in. Amen? So the first rhythm that you need to be found in is the fellowship of believers, and it needs to be done consistently. Not just once in a while, not just Okay, this week I feel like going online. This week like I feel like coming physically. We need to try to come together as much as possible because you see the things that are listed in the book of Acts, those things are experienced fuller, fuller in physical gathering. Amen? And if God has a, that fullness available for you, why don't you take advantage of it and walk in it and live in it? Now, I want to be sensitive to those who you know, have health issues and unable to come out because of uh, high risk or are overseas. You know, I think I, I saw in the chat this morning, some of you are from uh, Dubai checking in, you know, and so it's so good to have you. And so our online platforms are still an important space of connection and community. But let me tell you that the things that God wants us to experience are experienced more fully in physical gathering. Amen. So let's commit to do it consistently. The second rhythm that I want to talk about is the rhythm of worship. Everyone say worship, worship. and type in worship, okay? It is important that worship is part of our gathering. We are a people of worship. How many of you were at worship night last weekend? Give me a wave. Woo! How many of you were blessed by worship night? So amazing when the people of God come together with such hunger and worship with such freedom, and we see it even overflowing into today's worship. Whatever happens when the people of God stand together in faith and hunger for the presence of God and begin declaring His hope and declaring praises, you know, over their lives, over the church, over the nation, there is a spiritual shift. There is a supernatural move, and we begin to have chains break and fall off even as we stand as worshipers, because that's who we were created to be. The number one reason and purpose we were created. The creation is meant to worship the Creator, amen? amen. Can you turn to someone and say, if you're a believer, you're a worshiper? And if you've seen the Acts chapter 2, they were worshiping all the time. Every time they gathered together, they were in awe and reverence of the power and presence of God, of the signs and wonders of God. Every time they gathered together, they were found praising Him with gladness and rejoicing in the homes and in the temples. They were worshiping Him with liturgy. 
They were worshiping him with their giving and generosity. Worship overflowed into every part of their lives and every gathering that they were in. Because if you gather consistently with no worship, it is just a social gathering. If you just gather for friendship and relationship, no matter how authentic it is, and you leave out God from that picture, then it's just a social club. But this people of God, you know, this new body of Christ came together consistently in worship. And one important aspect I found is this. It says that they were breaking bread in the home, right? And what does breaking bread mean? Let me just be clear here. Breaking bread here is not talking about eating together, all right? I know some of you love bread, but no, it's not about that. It's about taking communion together. It's about taking the Lord's Supper together. And they did it in the homes because in the temples, um, not all Jews believed that Jesus was the, the prophesied Messiah. And so to be sensitive, they couldn't do it in the temples. They brought it into the home. And for, the Jew, uh, for, for these early believers, worship and communion was their central act of worship. And they brought this deeply reverential act of worship, this precious act of worship into the home. And what this tells me is that Worship and reverence is not meant to be exclusively reserved for a certain slot on a Sunday morning. We don't just come to church at 11 to 11.30 and worship God. Worship is so much more than that. It overflows into our obedience. It overflows into our generosity. It overflows into the way that we pray in reverence before God, the way we invite God into our daily lives. That is what it means to be a people of worship. Amen? And it's possible to have worship and reverence in the normal daily activities of our life. You know, I have some friends that come over to my home regularly, and my favorite thing to hear, and it doesn't happen all the time, okay, but uh, they come and the favorite thing they will ask me is, hey, Roger, uh, where's your guitar? Oh, my heart lifts with so much delight because they will just start strumming a simple song together and those who are in that gathering in my home will just gravitate there and begin to worship God in that small, intimate setting, you know, of, 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 of worship. So beautiful. And we, we don't sing, you know, really exciting songs like what we sang just now with the full band. It's just simple oldies, you know, like, As we gather, may your spirit work within us. As we gather, may we glorify your name, knowing well that as our hearts begin to worship, we'll be blessed because we came in. We'll be blessed because we came. Just simple moments of worship. And I can tell you some of the most beautiful moments of worship I've experienced are in the home. Messy worship, kids running around here and there, food falling on the floor, and then we just come to a moment of reverence and silence. And I remember my oldest daughter, she would come to me one day and when everyone was quiet, worshiping, and she said, Daddy, why is everyone crying? Why is everyone crying? I said, my girl, because we're worshiping God and His Spirit is ministering to us. Do you want to sing with us as well? 
And so she stood there and she, she joined us in worship. Reverence needs to be brought into the home. Parents, your children need to see you kneel at the bedside and bring God into that room and revere Him. Have your children ever seen you cry when you pray? There are times when I pray and I take advantage of just that moment and I say, God, I thank you for this precious gift of my daughter. Oh, man. You can see their hearts just light up because we acknowledge God and them and we just say, God, we want to worship you. Worship can be brought into every setting. Amen? And even if you're with your friends in a restaurant, I want to encourage you, don't be shy. You know, I've got friends and mentors who, no matter what, at the end of each meal, you'll say, is it okay if I pray for you? I'm so sorry to hear that you've been going through such a rough time. Can we just take a moment to pray? And when you honor God and recognize Him in reverence, His presence falls and begins to minister. Worship is a rhythm that needs to be found in our gathering. And it's not about being hyper-spiritual. It's not about being inauthentic. Like I shared just now, it is what we were created to do. So when we can come to that, it is our most authentic selves when we can be in worship before God. Amen? So that is an important rhythm. The third rhythm I want to talk about is an interesting one because I wouldn't have thought about it if I didn't prepare this message the word that came to me is the rhythm of diversity. Everyone say diversity. And so, you can see that there was such diversity found in the kingdom of God. And you see it from day one because who is Peter preaching to in that first sermon? Do you know that it is the day of Pentecost? It's an important Jewish festival. And it says in the, the chapter 2 that Nations from all over the, uh, the world, nations from under, all, all under heaven came to Jerusalem during that season. It was an important festival. They came from different nations. There were Parthians, Libyans, Egyptians, Cretans, Romans, Arabs, all sorts of nations and people came. And that is who Peter was preaching to. They came from all over, different backgrounds, different class of society, different financial status different genders, different race, different interests. Everything about them was different. But yet, what does the Bible say? Now having believed they were together and had everything in common. What an amazing supernatural sentence that is found there. To have absolutely nothing in common to being described as because of your faith, you have everything in common. You are now part of one body. You are now part of one family. And you are closer than national ties. You are closer than any ties and common interests. It's not about preferences that you are together. It is only because of Jesus. And so there was incredible diversity. You know, and you would, um, you would find that the, that's how the early church would gather. You know, there was this sermon by Timothy Keller. You know, I just want to credit him for it. And he was describing how this historian analyzed why the early church and Christianity was so successful, why it grew so fast despite all the challenges and persecution. And this is the, one of the key factors that were listed. He said, Christianity's attraction is found in its absolute inclusiveness. 
It was meant for all people, for all races, for all classes, for all cultures. Compared to all the religions then, this was a key factor because the, um, the pagan deities and religions would be confined to their regional locations if you studied it, right? And the Judaism was something that wasn't easy to follow, and it never overcame its racial boundaries because um, you needed to be culturally Jewish to follow it properly. The Greek and, and Roman philosophers only appealed to the educated and intellectual. And you know what Christians were made fun of in the past? They were made fun of for appealing to the uneducated and lowly multitude. Because its truth statement, its faith statement was so simple that anyone could understand it, that anyone could receive it. But yet you will find that the greatest minds in history also were attracted to Christianity. So it, it, it could appeal and attract from the most intellectual person in the world to the most uneducated and simple. Christianity was meant for all. It was meant for every people to hear the good news and have the same chance and opportunity to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior and be part of this family. In fact, this diversity was so important that you find when Paul was addressing communion in 1 Corinthians, you remember what happened? He started scolding the Corinthian church, right? He started scolding them and he started saying, hey, you've got your, your VIP room up there where you are feasting and drinking and you have these scraps left over for those who come in from the, the streets and the byways. How can you do that? And how can you then take communion which represents the body of Christ, it was the great equalizer. Everyone is equal in the eyes of God when we are found in His presence. Nobody is more worthy of, worthy of your seat. Nobody is more worthy of a parking slot. Nobody is more worthy of being found here in the front praising God together. You could be a homeless person, uneducated, without a cent to your name, but when you come into the body of Christ, you are equal. That was the diversity that God wants. That was the inclusiveness of God's heart. And so the rhythm that needs to be found in our circles, in our community, is diversity. When you look at your connect groups, when you look at your friends around you, do they all look the same, talk the same, sound the same? Are there people from all walks of life? Because that is God's heartbeat. And if that is not found there, you're not carrying the heartbeat of God. It's not our preferences. It's not who we enjoy to be with. That's why it says in, in Acts chapter 2, they were devoted to fellowship. It took devotion. It took a working out of relationship. It took forgiveness. It took friction and tension. But then coming together and saying, we are one in Christ. And so diversity needs to be found. And if you've been seeing the church ministers and uh, the office, I'm so encouraged. We have Kenyan who just joined us. We have those coming back from Australia, from China, you know, from Indonesia. All over, we're starting to recognize each other for our differences, appreciate the value that God has placed in us. Our value is not found in ourselves and what we've done. It is found in being a child of God. And in that, we are all equals. We all bleed the same color. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been encouraged, make sure to follow us on Spotify. To get connected or find out more about the life of our church, visit us on our website at gladtidings.my or follow us on social media. Have a blessed week.